tuned into the Vel News Show. I'm Fred Dreyer here with Spencer Paulison. Spencer, we have a good interview this week for the Vela News Interviews podcast, and that is none other than Phil Guyman, the one-man brand in pro cycling. Uh, if you don't know who Phil Guyman is, do you? Do we really need to explain who Phil Guyman is? Maybe how we should, you, just in case. How, how would you explain Phil Guyman to like your grandma who doesn't know pro cycling? Phil Guyman was a pro cyclist for for many years and. Very uh, longtime contributor to Vela News, so he sort of started to cultivate a life beyond just riding the bike. Well, before he actually retired from pro cycling, he was writing journals for us, all sorts of humorous anecdotes from his life with pro teams, traveling abroad, everything like that. And so that sort of led him into his current life, which is as a guy who rides his bike to be paid still but not a pro cyclist i guess i don't really he it's has, hard to, it's really hard to describe yeah, it actually he has a yeah. lot going on when i think of phil guyman i think of a guy who has um had tremendous success in the post cycling career for someone who was not like winning grand tours or anything like that um he's found a way to use his personality and the brand that he made during his pro cycling career uh, as a as a media source and a guy like Spencer said who you know knows the sport really well could opine on it write about it really in a really funny way into a guy who uh, you know is is making a good living still riding his bike kudos to Phil he has a new book out it's called Draft Animals he's written a number of books for Velo Press he was uh, yeah a columnist for us for a long time yeah and his most recent book sort of it it, it ties together all of those columns from over the years where it's Ask a Pro. Yeah. is what the book is called. And his column was called Ask a Pro as well, where people write in their questions and he answers them in humorous ways. And uh, it's a it's a very good book to just kind of set on the coffee table and pick up and read from time to time. It's pretty fun. But uh, he does all that. And uh, he like we we're saying, he still rides a lot. So he's, he's chasing these Strava KOMs. That's his thing now. So I sat down with Phil for this interview a few months back. It was over the summer. Um, we held on to it for a while, but it's still very relevant to what he has going on today. So let's have a listen to Phil Guyman. Hey, it is a Friday morning in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Fred Dreyer. Um, it's very nice out today. Very pleasant. And what makes it even more pleasant is that uh, the guy sitting across from me, just a pleasant guy, you know? <laughs> just one of those personalities that makes you want to get more into the sport, maybe go on a bike ride with him, maybe eat a cookie with him. Oh, gave it away. Uh, yeah. I am joined this morning by Phil Guyman. F you, Fred. Phil, this could be unpleasant just to ruin your point. Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna have a very confrontational. I'm sit. I'm lean back in my chair with my arms crossed and not speak. Well, one word answers. Then I'm only gonna come at you with just smoking hot questions, <laughs> just like throwing fastballs. Okay. Um, we got Phil Guyman in the house. Phil, what brings you to Boulder? Um, I'm here for your KOMs, Boulder. I'm going for it. That's uh, that's what I'm doing this year. I gotta say, in any other community, that might be like taken as lighthearted banter, lighthearted smack talk. But here in Boulder, like that's full blown, like that is hardcore heater smack talk because <laughs> the KOMs in Boulder are revered. Like people study them. They try to get the KOMs on flag, uh, roads like Flagstaff and Left Hand Canyon. And we have legitimate pros who live here who go and race right. these things. And so I don't know, Phil. I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if on some of these mornings when you're going to get your KOMs, there's like a bunch of dudes with pitchforks and torches like coming after you, <laughs> chase it's, you out of town. It's interesting. It's it's yes and no. In in Boulder, you're you're right that like these are probably some of the most hotly contested segments on earth. Um, I'd say like Boulder, Nice, uh, Girona. There was a point last year. I don't know if they'd get if they'd be okay with me admitting this, but Patty Bevan took the Strava for uh, for one of the big climbs in Girona, and Vodder's like, "Oh, you're you're in you're in the next five races." Wow. <laughs> like, which you, I, I I don't know of anyone who's been like who's gotten a contract for a Strava yet, but like the thing is like if you can get the Strava for one of those like the three big Girona climbs, like yeah, you you're in form. And there's no denying it. And uh, so, so Boulder definitely like is a place if if you can if you can get one of the uphill one of the key segments like you should probably be a stro a, a pro of some sort or like a YouTube Strava whatever I am this year like it it means something you're good yeah I mean yeah okay there are those people like there are the pros that are getting the segments in town but I gotta say in Boulder we got also just a lot of like super over competitive cat one lifer right. like you know trying to get there type people who are gonna who see those strava segments as literally a resume builder right so well, that's also what you're competing with i'll give you news that's everywhere is those people that's not <laughs> boulder exclusive maybe they're like better at it in boulder i think that's a difference but like they're ev- everywhere i go they're kind of like i'll i'll get if, if i'm not going for like well even whatever they're like man a pro being on strava like that's gross why is he going after koms that like you know a working man earned and it's like I worked <laughs> like I trained hard. Like if I want, if I want this crown, like why, why don't I deserve it? <laughs> like I, the, well, the answer is because I don't care because I did races, but my answer to them is kind of like, well, why don't you do some races? If like this really moves your needle, like go try the real thing. So we are about one year into your new experiment. Uh, Phil Guyman, pro cyclist for a number of years, rode with Garmin, Cannondale, lots of different domestic teams, great results sheet, Redlands, uh, second place t- tour to San Luis. I'm sure I'm leaving out a lot of them. And then a year ago, right. you made the big decision to retire. I would say early. I think you still had good years left in your in your legs, at least racing the domestic scene. And you have been embarked on this new quest um, to spot, you know, sponsor brands and chase Strava segments and have a YouTube channel and be this sort of one man brand machine and entertain lots of cycling fans. And I guess a good place to start is how's that coming along so far? Are you, are you achieving the level of success in your post cycling life that you thought you would? Um, I don't know how it's doing. It's, I, I know that I, I can't believe it's working and I've been laughing for like five months straight. So that's, that, it's going well from that perspective as far as like the longevity of it or if we can deem it a success i don't know um my my main thing is kind of like i'm someday i'm gonna have to get a job i will not be a professional youtube strava person in x years um and so i'm I'm working on that and i'm like trying to figure out where i fit in in the adult grown-up world in the business world and in the meantime like i do have relationships and i do have i don't think it would be healthy to like put the bike away and I don't want to like I, I love riding a bike and I, I definitely couldn't just like stop cold turkey the being competitive and like seeing my my body as as a project and and all that kind of stuff um and just like even just when it comes to expressing myself to, to people and, and sort of telling a story um and so it seemed like the I was trying to figure out what to do and and people were responding to like they're like oh cool a pro is like 
on Strava. And at that point, I was just unseating a guy in LA who everybody was mad at for, for taking all the Stravas. And, and I noticed like people, if I posted a screenshot of me getting a Strava KOM and this guy second, like it got twice the likes of anything else I posted. So people like that. I'm going to keep doing that. And, uh, and that's where it's taken me. You know, looking back a year ago compared to today, where are you with how your pro cycling career came to an end? Um, have Do you feel differently today about how it came to an end than it did a year ago? Um, was there any disappointment, lasting bitterness, anything like that that you may have had a year ago that, that you don't have today? There's a lot of feelings about that. That's... Um... Honestly, so I, I, I wrote a book, Draft Animals. It comes out October 14th. Um, people can pre-order it now. Sorry for that plug. But uh, it, it is like that honestly helped me get through a lot of it. It's like writing it and explaining it to an audience is sort of the first time I understood it. Um, and But there's – yeah, there's, there's so many feelings. And I did feel like I had more years in me and I was angry at everyone who didn't hire me and who everyone who hired somebody else and, and everyone who kind of offered me something that – didn't make any sense to take or, or whatever. Um, and I, and at the end I felt, I felt used and discarded and, and a lot of stuff by the sport. And, and, and I think very few people can, very few people finish on their own terms, probably in any sport. If you, if you sort of look at like Kobe Bryant couldn't hit a shot his last year, uh, stuff like that. I think, uh, and that's something that you all have to come to terms with that it's, it's never, you're always reaching for something more, and, and it's taken, it's taken, you know, I, I hung up all my leaders jerseys and all my stuff in, in my garage, you know, when, when I retired, that's just what you do. They were sitting in a box collecting dust forever. And then I hung them up and trying to convince myself to like, be proud and not be like embarrassed and ashamed of, of, you know, failure. Cause it feels like failure when you're, when you're kicked out against your will, um, which sort of where I was at. I, I like there, I, I didn't get an offer that, that made sense to me last year. So it was it was retirement, but it wasn't like it was planned or, or, or what I wanted. Um, and it's taken is every, every time I, I sort of look at those jerseys on the wall, I'm like a little less embarrassed and a little like, you know what? I did. All right. Like it was, I did, I did better than most. And, and the other thing is like, when I look at a race right now and I still, I, it's weird. Like I, I didn't think I'd want to watch races or go to races, but like, I, I love cycling and all my friends are still in it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see a, a tweet like oh, Mike Woods is, is in the breakaway at Swiss. Like, I have to watch that. Like, because if Mike Woods cries, I'm like finishes, I'm going to be crying and I want to watch that. Like, that's that's worth it for me or, or how's or any like there's just so many dudes who like I love who are in that. And um, but when I watch the race, like and I'm only a few months removed from it and I was begging to be in it this year. Like I was begging Vauders to to put me on again. But when I look at a pack now, I think like I can't believe I ever did that. And. I'm lucky to have escaped alive and I can't believe how bad I wanted to be in there right now. And it's, it's really strange how quickly that shifted. And like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. You know, I was at the Amgen tour of California this year and I was in a bus driving up Glendora road up to Mount Baldy. And I passed the corner where you were and you had this group of people and dressed as cookie monster, having cookies and, you know, getting your personal brand out there. And it was really interesting and you looked legitimately happy, but I'm really curious what that was like from an emotional standpoint, being at this big race, you're knowing you're not there, knowing that, you know, you probably still had the form or had the motivation to try and be there. And then, um, to be there largely as a spectator or as a, as a person, you know, advancing your business, uh, what was that like? 
it was it was funny the time at Tour of California like that was my home race um, and I rem- the so we did two cookie corners so my whole my fondo is it's cookie themed so top of every climb we have a cookie made by a celebrity chef that's our shtick so like the way that my partner wanted to promote that last year he had organized a cookie corner on Gibraltar that was the first one so like 3k to go or something on Gibraltar all my friends showed up and they're wasted and, and handing cookies to riders and they had these big cookie floats and it was hilarious and uh, so this year it was sort of obvious to him, like, oh, Phil, you can come to Cookie Corner and it'll just be that much better. And and I had I was I had big reservations, A, of just going to a bike race. Like this this thing just spit me out. What am I doing here? Uh, like obviously like bike racing wasn't it didn't work out for me. It wasn't it wasn't it didn't want me anymore. Um, and to sort of like voluntarily drive myself there was like an emotional risk. Um, and for sure, like, man, the first one we did was on Mount Hamilton. And so at that point, like Boswell and Lachlan and, and Bennett and whoever else, who's the other guy? Four guys had attacked the pack on Mount Hamilton. Micah. Right. Yep. And, uh, and they, so like Tom's was in the break and, and I see him come through before he crashes and, uh, and cheer him on. And that was fun. And then I, and then I watched those four guys come by and I see like Cannondale had, had one guy left on the front and Talansky was behind him. And I was like, you know what? use today is me <laughs> i was thinking like like that like i wasn't good at much but like i would have brought those four guys back like that's all i could ever do but that was like my job on that team and they were like there's a hole and like yeah like talansky wishes i was here right now and um and that that was like there was a moment where it was kind of tough um and then uh yeah that that's just real that's that's the honest truth and then but 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 i was able to you know I was able to have a good time. Um, and on Mount Baldy, that was sort of like the Hamilton was like the experimental cookie corner yeah. and Baldy that's closer to my neighborhood. And we had like in cycle as a big Cannondale dealer down there. So they kind of wrangled their people. And when the race came through cookie corner, we had like 200 dudes like screaming with cookie t-shirts. We had a bunch of t-shirts from the event last year left over. And it was like, that was some of the most fun I ever had in a bike race, including like days that I won. So I was able to sort of come full circle. And then all my buddies, like, they they finished they they finished the race and and everyone you know keel and and nate brown and like lost and like all those guys stopped on the way down and just hung out for a few minutes and had a snack and like i like i whatever it is i i don't belong at the bike race but i guess i kind of do and and so yeah I'm, I'm i'm trying to figure that out but uh it was it was every feeling on the spectrum <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting i mean i it's not the same, but I, you know, I worked for Velo News for a number of years and covered mountain bike racing and road racing and all these things. And when I left Velo News, I would still every now and again go back to a bike race and like see the people and they were working in it and living in it. And I wasn't there with any real purpose anymore. And it always felt a little strange to just be like John Spectator. So, you know, I can see how maybe if you had just gone back to the race to be like, I'm going to stand around the. I wasn't you know, stand along the purpose. race and yell yeah. at it without you know a real purpose. That could <laughs> have been super. If weird. I if I didn't have like a yeah if I didn't have a fondo to kind of get the word out, it, I would not have been able to show my face at the race. I would have like discreetly like texted my buddies and tried to get coffee with them or something or like right. say hi at the at a hotel. But I would have worn a disguise. <laughs> you could ask for discount bike parts. Hey man, like my yeah, 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 man. Like, can you slide me like you oh, know bro. my computer's broken and. Bike shops are expensive. Jeez, who knew that buying shit retail sucks? It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these days you are this sort of one-man brand. You are doing YouTube videos. You're chasing Strava KOMs. You have a, a whole host of sponsors. You're promoting a Grand Fondo. 
Um, how did this portfolio come together? Was this something that, you know, the moment you retired, you thought, well, a year from now, I want to have, you know, a, a successful Fondo and I want to be, you know, promoting brands and I want to, you know, be doing X, Y, and Z and chasing Strava. Like, how did this thing come together? I mean, there's a lot of parts and each one has his own story, but like I, the, the book sort of was, was one big hurdle that like, I wanted to kind of close my career and, and end that story in, in a way. And, and I was, and I was definitely able to do that with this book. And, uh, so that, that was one part and I'd, I'd been building up to that forever from writing for Velo news and, and the first couple of books I came out with Velo press. And, and now it's kind of like, okay, that here I'm a, I'm a writer also. Like I've, I've proven that people buy my books, people want you know, to, to hear my story. And that was able to like sell penguin on that idea. And, and hopefully that turns into something else. Um, and then the Fondo was, I, I think I had the idea for the Fondo as, as just, I, I want to share what I love about riding bikes, which is, you know, the, I, I live in LA and everyone was kind of like, you know, you live in LA, how do you ride bikes? I've been in traffic on the 405, LA is the worst. And, and my answer is like riding in LA is one of the best places ever. And there's some amazing people there and like, here's how I get the word out. And, and I'll, and people were bringing me cookies all those years. As a Coloradan, I may have to scowl at you for that statement. Rock it, store. Oh, whatever. And then, it's yeah. Fine. And then in it's December, fine. you're going to text me and say, Hey, can I stay at your house? And yeah, it's true. snowed again. <laughs> so all my friends here say, they're like, how do you, and it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, wait, wait. Is there till... any snow in Mulholland? <laughs> no? Oh. Yeah. No, the riding there is beautiful. It's, it, it's you know, the, like the best riding in the world is like a 30-way tie, but I, I put Malibu right up in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so it was it was kind of fun. That was that was just part of that whole project is I, I wanted to kind of get the word out and and share what I love and, and hopefully more people will love it. And all these people were bringing me cookies for all these years, and here's a chance. I'm going to give the cookies back to the people, you know? Like uh, it's it's sort of it's, – it's kind of beautiful, and it, and it, it just – it felt right. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a charity that benefits from it. And, um, yeah, so that, so that was one component. And then, and then the other thing is when I'm done racing, I sort of like, I looked at the things that, that cycling did for me as far as like physically, emotionally, whatever, I sort of made like a bullet list of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a competitive jerk and here, so like, I need to find some place I'm competitive. I need to find some reason to like train and be healthy and be fit. I need to find like a reason, like I don't, I don't want to be out partying and, and getting wasted. So like, I need an excuse for that. So I can be like, oh, sorry, I got a straw to get to tomorrow guys. Like I can't, <laughs> I got to go home, you know? Um, so I sort of just looked at, at all the things that, that cycling did for me and tried to like replace them one by one. And that turned into like a, a sponsored YouTube channel. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going for Strava's and I'm, I'm taking them more seriously than anyone ever should. What I think is interesting, too, is you're, like, throwing yourself right into the den of, um, of like, modern internet um, social interaction, oh, which is, like, yeah. YouTube. And, like, as we all know, YouTube commenters are just scumbags. Sorry, YouTube commenters out there. But, you know, they're all the worst people in the world. And um, Twitter, where people are a lot more... Um, People are better on Twitter. I feel like there's a lot it's more. Improved, yeah. It's improved, but you know, there's still people who have they they have to be getting at you on Twitter, Phil, and it's everywhere, yeah. telling you telling you you're a wiener or you're a doper mm -hmm. or you're some moron. Uh, I'm curious, how are you dealing with um, being a man of social media and a man of the internet when internet culture these days is so built around just like twisting the knife and telling you that you are just like the worst person ever. For, for doing anything. Well, that goes with anything, too. That goes with, like, 
with, with, with book reviews or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. I didn't, if you, if you look at the reviews for my podcast or something, even there's like, there's, there's 33, I've looked at it the other day. I'd never looked at it before, but somebody was telling me that reviews matter for whatever. And I was looking at it, it was like 33 reviews and all of them are five stars except one was zero stars. And he was like, this guy's in love with his own voice. <laughs> and like you read through it, and there's, of course, there's only one that I remember the content of and guess which one it is. And, but that's just the nature. I don't know. That's like humanity, I guess. And that goes with, with and it's kind of like, I didn't, I'm sorry for this thing that I made you for free is sort of my response to all that. Like, right. I don't know if like if then a don't download it and whatever, but that's so, yeah, the YouTube, all of it, the, it's funny that people my there's people who are discovering me now, like post cycling who like never paid attention to either racing or they just, I was too low on the totem pole to, to hit their radar. And you can tell in the comments, like, Oh, you're new here. <laughs> like you're new with, with me and like, you don't get me and you probably won't. Um, but you have a different wrinkle, which is that you're actually going into people's communities and trying to steal their KOM. So I would assume that there might be some like tension or pushback or, yeah. you know, maybe maybe a lot of people think it's funny and cute. And some people are just like, oh, this it's, guy. It's funny. And it's 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 every way. And that was part of like I shielded myself from that by like the KOMs that I go for for my show are voted for on Facebook. Ah. So I'll I'll post it. I'll be like, OK, I'm coming Boulder. What are my climbs? And then, and then, like, if someone wants me to take look out from like a guy who everybody likes or whatever, then then that's the reality, and uh, and the people said it, so it's not on me. And and then a lot of people, I think, like a reasonable human would be interested. A, a, nobody makes money, I guess, except me from a Strava KOM. But even I'm not. Like you don't. There's there's nothing to it. It's a virtual image of a crown. And I think like if you want to be if you want to pretend it's competitive, then you should welcome the highest level of competition. You know, like you win a cat five race, it doesn't mean anything. Like you win a world tour race and it does, that means you're the best. And I think people should all like that. Well, that's just how I've always been. I, I never like, I don't think I posted up when I was in the cat fours. Mm. Like it doesn't, it, it's, I should be a cat three. That's not, you know, and those guys would kick my butt. And I think a lot of people, like a lot of my audience is like, I want to see what a, what a top level person can do on this climb that I do. You know, if you remove, uh, you know, a drafting element, whatever, like here's, here's where I test myself. I want to see what that is. And most people are super stoked to kind of experience that. And there's a couple who are like, you're taking KOMs from, you know, a guy who has a nine to five and it's like, but what was that worth to him and why? So I question all of those people, but. So how's it coming along so far? I mean, I know you've gotten a lot of the ones around LA, you did Diablo, mm -hmm. didn't come out so what you didn't get right. diablo right so i missed palomar and i missed diablo but you I got lemon too i got my lemon oh. which was which was probably the most ambitious of those as far as like tommy d could go uphill pretty good um plus there was pie waiting at the top yeah for giant, both you and tommy a d cookie that's shaped like a pie yeah and then um i went to mount mitchell was episode four uh-huh so that one that was one of the ones that like people requested that's like the biggest segment east of the Mississippi. It's the highest point east of the Mississippi. It's like a very contested, uh, and they do a, a race up it every year. It's like a century ride kind of thing, the assault on Mount Mitchell, where they ride like 75 miles, and then they, it finishes top of this mountain. Um, but no one had ever like gone an individual time trial up it. Hmm. And there was definitely like a Facebook hate group, like Phil Strava shouldn't count if he doesn't do the whole route. And it's like, count for what? <laughs> like, that was sort of my thing is like, like, somebody has a segment for the whole 100 mile whatever like i'm doing a different thing i'm going for hill climb record so like it doesn't count for me and it didn't count for the guy who had it before because it doesn't count for anything for anybody 
um, and it's an experiment, and it's a it's a show, I guess. Is I've, and people want me to go, and I go. What are some other ones you have on your long list right now? Um, other other like so old Honda was like the biggest one I got, yeah. which is funny because no one's heard of it outside of like NorCal Bay Area, San Francisco it's kind an of awesome people. climb. So it's beautiful. a beautiful climb. There's redwoods, it's and it's like perfect for me. It's like just the right amount of steep, and it's like ten to fifteen minutes is like my sweet spot power wise. Um, but it's one of those like it was like a legendary climb that people had been you know testing themselves on, and I guess um, the the record was Eric Hyden, who was like a ski a speed skater, but lived down there, and uh, he was a speed skater turned pro cyclist, uh, good rider, but like not really a climber specifically, but like no pro had ever really gone. I guess someone told me that Lance went for it and couldn't get Hyden, but I don't believe that because I know how fast I went. Um, but I went there and like I I smashed it, and people were like oh okay that's that's the difference between like this is a local thing and this is a pro but like that ride has gotten more kudos than like when when i won oakland like mm. it, it, like it blew up and it's it's funny you know what the asterisk is with that one though what's that i got an asterisk for oh, you go for it um to live anywhere near old la Honda, you have to be such a quadrillionaire right that like pro cyclists can't get it i mean like i i'm surprised Smart. they even let you into that neighborhood right because like i would assume they'd have to look at your checking account and be like "Ooh, yeah sorry yeah um yeah. do you own a tech company we're gonna need to see you're gonna need to take mm, your credit score yeah. and we're gonna flag that like there's a reason why <laughs> everyone on that list is like oh gerald pretty, penny pincher the fourth mm, yes mm. Sorry, it's, Phil. A, it's a special area up there. It, it was it was beautiful, um, but yeah, no, super cool climb. But it, yeah. it was it was funny, just like the the significant like you think that bike racing is super important, but like nothing I did in a bike race ever like had that much attention as. And even if it doesn't mean that much to me, because I know what the bike like, I know exactly how good I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not that good, and I know I can name I can probably name fifty guys who could smash my time on old La Honda. Um, so like I'm, but I'm. Not people. Not a lot of people have that perspective, so I think that's part of what's interesting about the whole thing. Is like I, I know exactly where I stand, and and now I'm showing everyone else kind of where they stand. Um, I have a couple that you need to put on your list. Okay. These are the. the I have it literally. I have a to do list. The Fred's addition to Phil's list. Okay, I'll write them down. Um, so I used to live in New York City, and uh, there are a zillion Strava segments everywhere, and um, one of them I think you really need to go after. It's a lot trickier than you might think. This is bad. Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. I heard they took the bridges off. Someone just told me yesterday oh, that the really? bridges were deemed unsafe. For a so hot was... second, I had the Manhattan Bridge. Did you? Because I hit it at like 2 a.m. Right. Because every, you know, it's just full of traffic. No, a, and a the guy key I know is in L.A. named Matt Cutler. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. I heard he was going back and forth for the bridges with somebody, and then they like took him down. Wow. Because I was going to say that the real challenge of the Brooklyn Bridge is not how fast you go, but how many like Italian tourists you're able to right. navigate who right. are yeah, like taking photos standing in the bike lane. <laughs> a lot of the ones, like in LA, a lot of the like biggest segments are in Griffith Park where the Hollywood sign is, right. which is not far from me. And uh, and if you, like there's some segments where it flattens out and it's kind of like, you got to be a jerk if you want. Like I won't go for those because like I don't want to scare the hikers. That's right. not nice. And like the, the other guy can have that if he wants to rip the downhill through like <laughs> threading people with backpacks. That's yeah. fine. That's uh, l- listeners, please take note. I was being extremely facetious about going after the Brooklyn Bridge KOM. In fact, my recommendation to any cyclist out there: never ride 
over the Brooklyn Bridge ever do not ride over the Brooklyn Bridge. It's awful. You may get knocked off of your bicycle by a million tourists. Right. Um, okay, so you can't do bridges. So here's another one for your okay. list. Um, actually, in Denver, close to where I live on the Platte River Trail, mm-hmm. there's a section of the Platte River Trail that goes past the Purina Dog Food Factory oh, and then nice. the Denver Water Treatment Plant and then an oil that refinery. It's just a, a, just a cornucopia of terrible smells. Mm-hmm. And there is a Strava segment along that route that's called Butt Smell Sprint. <laughs> butt Smell. It smells like, like butts. That, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Phil, I think you got to put Butt Smell Sprint Don't on your list. On the resume. Yeah. yeah. Just like, got Ola Honda, got uh, Mount Lemon, and I got Butt Smell Sprint. One of the things I like about Strava also is like the people with their silly names. So yeah. the, part of the irony of the whole thing is that like I'm taking Strava seriously, and then like if I, I'm doing recon of the of the the lookout or not lookout the Flagstaff segment here, and at number six on there or seven is is Lachlan Morton's fake name is Poo Poo Cough. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna go really hard and try and beat Poo Poo Cough. <laughs> thing, it's a beautiful world. You ever had a Poo Poo Cough? Uh, no, but the day's young. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the element with this chase, or that started off with this KOM chase of dethroning people with doping suspensions, chasing the dopers? Is that still a component of what you're doing with this? Um, that was that was how it started. So when when I retired, the, the, like the short version of it is, I I, I learned that. So I, I thought I was going to get an offer from, from Dimension Data end of last year. Yeah. That was like the team I was I was kind of working and close to. And then one day they announced their roster, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess uh, this feels done. Yeah, thanks for the <laughs> and, thanks uh, for the heads up, guys. Yeah, that's that's how it is, though. That's like you just get thrown out, um, and and you're trying to take a personal. But uh, and so I, the next day was like the LA group ride. The Nichols ride is like the fast ride in LA, and. I was angry and I had no reason to train. I was like, oh, I've got to start base tomorrow, except no, I'm not. So I like ripped the group ride as hard as I could. And I got the, the, the big segment is Nichols Canyon. It's like a 10 minute really hard climb right up from Hollywood. And, um, and I, and a couple, and I, I did that ride and I hadn't really ever put much on Strava before that. And then people sort of saw like my, like I finished the ride and I put on Strava and people like my phone blew up. They're like, dude, you took the Strava from that guy that we don't like. And I was like, well, yeah, who cares, whatever. And the, but people were so into it that, and I guess like this guy had a doping history and and whatever. And uh, but I'm, I'm but my thing, people people liked it. It was mm. very clear they liked it. So I was just gonna keep doing more of it. I was getting paid for three more months of being a pro cyclist, and I had nothing else to do. Um, and and that got enough attention, and people like people liked seeing a pro. There were a lot of elements of me being on that people liked. People liked seeing a what I could do. They liked seeing the doper. Uh, unseated and so I just sort of responded to that um, and and now like that's sort of become my my reputation is like I'm the guy who takes the dopers off Strava and the, the irony is like nobody else can really do that because like there's a lot of pros that are faster than me but they're busy and and like if you want Tom Danielson to not have the the record for Mount Lemon like I, that has to be me that's 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 there's one thing in the world that only I can do right now and that would be it uh, so I'm I guess I'm answering that that ridiculous call. How have you navigated that uh, unique social position, though, that, that this puts you in? Like, you're a pro cyclist, you have contacts and friends in the industry that are cycling, and you've known all these guys, yet, you know, you are putting yourself at odds with people with doping suspensions. And, and I, I would right. assume that this is something that's been in your career for a while because you've been very outspoken about doping. How do you navigate those relationships? It was really hard, and it's... Um, the, the one, it, it helps because I know that, like, 
Tom Danielson doesn't really care if he still has the Strava for Mount Lemon. You know what I mean? Like right. I know that he he has his resume and he's made peace with his his racing results and whatever that like that that doesn't really matter to him anymore. But the um, no, I I would say that like navigating the whole doping thing was was like a big part of of that of my years racing. That like I I'm a guy like I'm a victim of from right at the beginning was like when I started was the fallout and all the sponsors are gone and and Lance retired and it's a mess. And there's, you know, there's, there's not much of a sport left, especially in the U.S. And, um, and I'm mad at dopers, and I get a, a, a tattoo that says clean on it. And then four years later, excuse me, I'm, I win Redlands, and, like, crap, I'm not getting paid enough. I have to go to Europe, except, like, all those guys hate me because I have a clean tattoo. And how do I, how do I balance that and, and navigate that? And it was, it was weird. It's, it took a long time for me to figure out, like, and I had to be my own judge and jury, and it was based on my experiences and not what I read. And a lot of people have different experiences. The same people, like famously, I'm I'm friends with Tom Danielson, and that when I first met him, I did not want to like him, and uh, he he overcame that. And um, and then there's a, and then there's some dopers who like I I can't stand, and like I I I want to take their stravas. I want to take all of their stravas. I want to take everything that I can from them, and it can't be their money, but I can take this little virtual crown. Here's one little arena where, like, I have control and I can do something about it and I can punish people who I feel like weren't. That's interesting. So you're able to create sort of a separation of personality and personal relationship versus past or, um, you know, like like the the Danielson is, yeah. relationship is an interesting one. I mean, you know, yeah, Tom Danielson has a past with doping. You've been around him. You've been able to sort of overcome that. There, uh, there are dopers, like, dopers are people and... And a lot of them, like people who made mistakes, some of them are people who like are evil sociopaths who were doing anything they could to get ahead and crawling over as many bodies as they could to get there, and and will never be happy and will never be satisfied. And then there are some who are kind of like, I have to do this for a living, and or you know, I I don't know, I know a, I know a guy who who probably doped to get out of Cuba. And it's kind of like, yeah, get out of Cuba, man. Like, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And it's and there's a lot of it. Like, if you and, and the, the longer you're in it, the more you sort of like get to know people and understand. And 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 like, no one else is gonna agree with me. And that's like, you know, there's gonna be angry tweets from from just this comment. It's something like I've had to come to peace with. But but if you if I there was a the honest truth was like if I wanted to to achieve my dreams and race in Europe and do the biggest races, like I was gonna have to somehow make inroads with that world because guess what Vodders was a doper and if i hate dopers he's not going to sign me so like i had to i had to have an open mind and and come to, to terms individually with all those people um and and judge for myself and there were there were a lot that i ended up being teammates with and thinking like that's a horrible person and i don't ever want to have anything to do with him and then there was others who's like that's a guy who's trying you know who's like he's doing what he can and 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 whatever his past was, he's trying to make better for it. And sure, he's not giving all of his money back because no one's going to do that. But it's also like, here's a person who's like making an effort and it, and it feels sincere and, and let it kind of be possible. I think that's something that we who have been in the sport for a while have struggled with and have, you know, it's, it's almost like it's a, a journey with your own relationship to doping 
um, if you are in the sport or have relationships in the sport, especially over the last 10 years, I can only speak from my own experience, which is, yeah, you know, I've been covering the sport since 2004. Mm-hmm. I've had people that I really liked, people who I considered friends, people who I had good relationships with and end up, you know, turning out they were a doper. And, right. you know, it is sort of this evolution in how you process this. And I think that 10 years ago, there were a lot of people who were very black and white with it. You know, I remember some There's of the websites of that, and still yeah. are. And, you know, a lot of the websites out there that were like, you know, conspiracy theories of, you know, you were friends with so-and-so who trained this guy and he's a doper. So you must be, you know, you know, you must be tarnished by that, too. And I think one of the guiding lights for me has been trying to understand, yeah, why those people doped and then how they handled it. And, you know, there's there's never going to be a firm dividing line with what makes a guy a good guy or a bad guy. No one's going to agree on it. Right. And it's, and it's all like, I, you can have, it's, it's entirely possible as an adult for different people to have different experiences with the same person. Um, and, and there are people who, who like would say they had a horrible experience with Tom Danielson and who hate me for, but like mine was the opposite. He like the, the, the story was I met him at a century ride in, in South Florida and I was pissed that they invited him. It, it was like this charity ride, and I was pissed that he was invited. And I was like, I'm gonna drop this doping jerk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull so hard that all he can do is just like stare cross-eyed at my clean tattoo. And uh, and Tom and I finished, and he but he you know he pulls through, and we finished 100 miles in like two hours and 45 minutes or something ridiculous. And uh, and at the end he's like, Wow, you're good. I'm gonna call Vodders and tell him to sign you. And that's what happened. Like so, this is a guy who like saw my potential, and he saw he knew my clean tattoo and that whole story, and he like. I think he wanted to sort of use me to feel better about what he'd done. And like, he, he cost me some money and he cost me some sponsors and he was part of that whole setup. And then he, he made a very sincere, like years long effort to reverse it. And fast forward to I'm at the tour of San Luis and he's like helping pull me back to Nairo Quintana. Um, that like, you can't, you can't change that. And I got goosebumps talking about it. And that's kind of like, that's, that's real. Mm-hmm. So, so that's my experience with that person. And, and, um, you know, you're asking about being retired, and part of it, like, it's 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 it sort of sucks that my my post racing thing has been to unseat the dopers because like, I'm sick of that conversation. I'm just like I'm so tired of for for ten years like, you somebody wins a race, it's like okay, but who was really the best? You know, like Valverde won, but like, Dan Martin is the best pure person. You know what I mean? Like, like. Valverde just cost Dan Martin another million dollars, and that's yeah. sad. But like, and that's something that, like that's just so much a part of it is like that debate and that conversation and that like, when he wins, like, does it really count? And who's that? It's just it's exhausting and it's sad. And um, and I'm I'm like I'm I'm totally over it. Yeah. But, uh, but it's that's that's the sport. I I am over it too, but I don't think the sport is over it. And I think that like <laughs> no, and and it's going to be a conversation we we're going to have a time and time again, and something that I constantly revisit. You know, when I think about it, it's like yeah, the true victims of that era are the guys and gals who had the potential and who had the talent and who had the drive to be able to make it, and for whatever reason, you know, they didn't. I mean, I think about it's like Tim Johnson, you know, and it's like he yeah. went over there and raced, and he saw what was going on, and you know. It just it was a conscious decision, and with there, I think there were a lot of guys during that era that it was a conscious decision, and you know we we have to honor honor them, and um, and and who knows maybe more information will come out from that era that'll just totally change our minds as well, or it's, this era. It's yeah, it's so I don't know, it's so weird. There's there's, like, there's unsung guys who are like incredibly respected that that like Lawrence Tendam, yep. you know, like he's of that age who like. 
he for like I never had to push away a needle. You know what I mean? But he did, and like that says so much more. And and there's just there's just a lot of guys like that. And but but he also like had to be in the bus with the dudes who were doing. What's he gonna do? Quit? Yeah. Uh, and some guys did. It's it's just there's no there's no right and there's no wrong. And and people, I don't know how to get away from it. But like the the sport cycling, our sport, like debates who did it and who didn't do it and what are they on like like nba talks who's better between lebron and jordan like that's just the conversation right and it's i don't see how it could be escaped and it's a bummer yeah well that's why we have strava koms to chase after so we can really know it's the one thing i can control really know part i can i can do it and, and i can and i can fake it i can show up and someone's and and levi leipheimer went for for flagstaff stage six after like doing five other climbs that day and and I can show up there with a thirteen pound bike and a speed suit and, and a follow car with a camera crew. Yeah. And I can and I can attempt to go slightly one second faster than him and not even possibly do it. Dude, you're taking recreating to like the next level. You you are a recreational cyclist. You recreate so hard, Phil. I've re- yeah. It's 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 cool because like well, this week I'm driving the the Cannondale bus around the team bus. Yeah, like, that's how bad it's going. That's how that's, that's how f my retirement is, is. I'm still driving around that stupid bus. I'm still bumming it. Uh, well, Phil, I really appreciate you coming in and uh, talking to us this morning. Um, I don't want to take any more time away from your retirement because I know you're so damn busy. It's time to put my feet up and yeah, just on the beach somewhere. Yeah, right on. Well, hey, best of luck with those KOMs. Thank you. I'm gonna need it.